Welcome to Know Your Risk Radio on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. Know Your Risk Radio is hosted by Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Know Your Risk Radio is brought to you by Bulwark Capital, helping families navigate the ever-changing and often volatile markets. Know Your Risk Radio starts now. Here's your host, Zach Abraham. And we are back. Thank you so much for joining us for yet another, another one of the most scintillating hours in finance radio. And just so you guys do not think that I am completely self-absorbed, I can say that confidently because there's just not a lot, (laughs) right? It's a one horse race, as I like to joke around. It's the kind of races I like to be in. Uh, Anyway, got a great show planned for you today. I was explaining to the folks up in Seattle on KTTH, the OGs of Know Your Risk Radio, first first station that we were on in the country. Um, <clears throat> and we, we had a dynamite interview lined up for today, but we had some technical issues. We, had, we were all lined up to have the Queen of Crude, the Princess of Petroleum, Miss Shy Girl herself, Tracy Shukart. And uh, we had some technical glitches. Her microphone wasn't working. We got to get a software update. Anyway, she's going to get that handled over the weekend. And we're going to do that on Monday. So we will post that interview next week. But as I was explaining to those folks on KTTH and the three minute open, uh, we are going to fill that in with an interview of none other than me. (laughs) So let me explain. I am not that self-indulgent. We were having a conversation yesterday in the office about one of my employees talking about a friend of his that goes back and forth. And this friend is just convinced that the energy companies were price gouging. And I said, well, you've heard me talk about that. And he goes, yeah, but Zach, you, 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 and I've heard the conversations you have with the people you interview about it, but, um, I don't, you know, a lot of it is over my head. This is my head of operations. He's not on the investment side. Now he's been with me since the beginning. He's my, the first employee we ever hired. He's, I don't know what I'd do without him. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, he, he has a much better rudimentary, much better than rudimentary understanding of finance. And what's going on in Energy Mart, right? Just working in the office every day and dealing with it. He's on the operations side, but still, he, you know, he's been with me from the beginning. He's got a very, and he just said, Zach, I, I don't, even when I listen to your explanations uh, in your discussions, he goes, you're having it with these other experts. And I don't even know what a lot of the stuff that you're talking about means. And, and that kind of resonated with me, guys, because one of the original purposes of this show is for lack of a better term to democratize financial information, meaning um, there are so many people out there and I totally get it. So many people out there that think that they're dumb or they're ignorant when it comes to finance. And what, what I have found over and over and over is the average person knows a lot more than they think they do, but it's the vernacular, right? It's the catch words. It's the language, right? Um, that, that, you know, it's code, and I, you guys have heard me joke around about this so many times. The vast majority, <laughs> the vast majority of it is just self-indulgent, uh, uh, you know, self-important type nonsense, right? My, I've always looked at it as expertise should be. Now, when I'm having a higher level discussion with an expert in the field, and and the people we have on the show, the interview, they, they're not like that. It's one of the reasons that I follow them. It's one of the reasons that I want to bring them to you. I don't want to listen to the ego guys, right? I want to listen to the practitioners, the people that are really passionate about it. And so we have them on problem that I've found out is, is that, you know, it's like anything that you do, you assume that there is this baseline knowledge and, um, you know, it's the common knowledge game, right? Um, and you assume that, you know, well, other people understand these things. And so we can hop right to this extra. Well, it, it, and, and you may not have the vernacular. You may not have the understanding. And I think that this is truly a setup right now in energy markets because there is so much talk of price gouging and price fixing and all this other kind of stuff. And it, it's just this swirl of information. And that, like I've said before, too, there are so many things in the world of finance that are subjective, meaning it, you got two different opinions. You got two differing opinions, and one of them could be right, one of them could be wrong. We got to see the way it plays out, right? Um, what's going on in energy markets and what's taken place over the last three years isn't subjective. So the people out there that are speaking about price gouging and all that kind of stuff, it's one of two things. OK, 
Okay, either these people are purposefully misleading for political reasons, or they don't know what they're talking about. And the reason why is because it's not subjective. Oil companies do, nor do any commodity companies set prices. So anyway, we're having this discussion in the office and, and it was about a 45 minute discussion and I was walking them through every single step of how we got here on an energy basis and my head of operations, Trevor, who you'll hear, uh, if you, if you listen to the interview, um, he just looked at me and he goes, you got to put that on the show. He goes, because the way we just laid that out, he goes, that makes perfect sense. And he goes, now it makes now I get it, you know, and I'm going to go back and tell this guy, this, this conversation he was having with a friend and, and the friend was trying to figure out the truth, right? There's so much misinformation out there. You listen to one side and say, it's all Biden's fault that energy's high. You listen to the other side, it's just price gouging. And Biden said it's price gouging and all these other kind of things. What's the truth? Who do we listen to? Well, the wonderful thing about that topic is there is, you know, theories and there is what actually happened. So we can just review the facts and explain it so that you guys have a better explanation, but also so that you can have these conversations with other people and inform them, right? The more informed we all are, I think a lot of people out there that think it's price gouging aren't anti-capitalist and don't, you know, don't hate capital or anything like that. They're just listening to news. You know, so we're just, I'm a big believer in, in, you know, better information quality, right? The more people know, the better off we all are. So anyway, so he's going to interview me and we're going to look at the, he's going to ask me questions that he has as somebody that's not an oil investor, right? That runs the operations here. Again, he's got a better than rudimentary understanding of finance, but we'll see it. We've never done something like this. I think it could be helpful. Um, especially to more of the retail people that, you know, that don't have as, as deep of understanding of, of this stuff. Um, and so we'll see, we'll wait to hear your comments. Maybe it, maybe it's not something that's helpful. Maybe it's not something we'll do again, but, um, I think it, I think hopefully it can be valuable because I, and I apologize. There's just times where, you know, when you're so close to something and I've talked about this a lot before, you just assume that these things are understood and you kind of skip past things and you really miss these opportunities to explain things to people. Uh, in a way that they can really understand. So uh, we'll do that. And then we'll have the, the Tracy Shukart interview on Monday. We're going to do that on Monday and we'll post it next week. Anyway, let's get into the market update. A lot going on, uh, in, including we will include some mistakes that I have made. Okay. So like I tell you guys, I'm going to tell you about the wins. I'm going to tell you about the losses, a little performance update. We're lagging right now. Uh, we're still pretty defensive, not hedged up. We pulled the shorts. I think our value portfolio is up about 2%. Momentum's up about 4%. we are lagging the S&P pretty good. But um, one of the themes that we're going to talk about later in the show, guys, is there's, there's times where, I, you know, as a money manager, we always need to be conscious of where the scoreboard's at, what markets are doing, and where our performance is at and all that. Um, but I think there's also times where we need to ignore that. Okay. And that's my thought at this point. And so we'll revisit that later in the show. I've got a segment dedicated to that. Uh, but let's start. <laughs> I, again, I like doing this because, um, a, I, you learn the most from your mistakes, right? The other reason I like doing it is because I want you guys to understand the people you're listening to that always have the answers. And I, it's just nonsense. Okay. We all get it wrong. And when we get it wrong, we got to stand up and say, Hey, I botched that one. So let me tell you about one right out of the gate that I botched. Now, what I'm hoping I, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to lie to you guys. What I'm hoping is that I end up not botching this because it's not over. But I made a mistake. So we were long Facebook. Uh, it's one of our larger positions, actually. Going into the fourth quarter, I, I want to say it was as of November it was of 2021. It was one of our largest deals. And we saw the spend on the metaverse going up. Uh, and to be fair to Zuckerberg at that point, he had announced it. He'd said next year we're going to invest or, or over the next couple of years, whatever it was, we're going to invest $20 billion into the metaverse, right? Well, that was going hit, to hit, hit earnings. There's no question, right? It was going to hit earnings. And what was odd is even though he forecasted that, the stock never got hit. Then first quarter of 2022 comes out and they announce earnings that don't surprise us. And the stock starts tanking. Well, 
that was why we sold it back in November because I was just sitting there going, look, I, I don't understand why he's advertised a $20 billion spend and the multiple on the stock isn't coming back, right? Isn't pulling back at all. And I just thought, you know, I could be wrong. Maybe the market's baking this in, but it doesn't look like it, right? The stock should kind of pull back, you'd think, in anticipation of that. So we unloaded it, pivoted to something else. I think we sold it around 340, something like that, 350, somewhere, pretty close to the highs. Um, yeah, because everything tech was high in November of 2021, right? It was all that that was when the all time highs were. So um, we sold it and then it got crucified, right? It dropped all the way back down to 125, and that's where we bought it. And that was before the last quarter's report. Then the last quarter's report came out, and it was even ble- more bleak than the previous. Stock plummeted to 100, bounced back to 110. We unloaded the position at 110. And I'll tell you why. I thought it was a broken story, meaning I thought it would continue to drift lower. Um, the spend on Metaverse isn't going to stop. The economy is slowing down. Incidentally, you saw that in their quarterly earnings. Well, you have to forgive us there for a second. We had a little uh, interruption. I, I, I'm assuming you guys heard that. A little excitement here at Bulwark headquarters. Uh, fire alarm went off. So anyway, it kind of kind of messes up your flow a little bit, right? But anyway, we'll get back into it. So Meta, I was telling you guys we bought it, uh, wrote it up to 350, sold it right around the highs. And then got out because we thought, you know, that $20 billion spend that Zuckerberg announced was going to hit earnings. And it did. And it fell down. And about it got down to 125. And I was like, boy, this is... Because here's the thing. We don't know if the metaverse works out, right? But Facebook itself is still a profit machine. You know, and and even if their revenues start tailing off, which it looks like they have, but they could reaccelerate. It, it, I, I think that it got a little bit beat up unfairly because, um, you know, I, it's not like that they can't probably generate some growth going for, you know what I mean? Like there's other different things they can do to reignite the revenue growth and Facebook ads aren't going anywhere. Right. So um, anyway, just looking at going, hey, it's gotten really cheap. We think we should get it here. And then they announced that other quarter and then the stock broke lower and we ended up unloading it around 110. And I just with the intentions of picking it up. And, uh, you know, looking back on it, it, that was a mistake. And I knew it at the time. I was thinking to myself, you're being too short-sighted. And now Meta's, what, pushing up against 200. It went on that crazy run after. Now, the earnings numbers wasn't that good. I really don't. I think the majority of that run-up you saw, honestly, was short-covering. Um, because, I, and it was beaten down too cheap. I just, I, I think it overran. Anyway. Should have held on to it at that. So everybody makes mistakes, and that was me. Get a little too, uh, little too short-term thinking, right? So I again, I always want to tell you guys the mistakes with the with the with the victories. Uh, what is the outlook for Meta? I don't really know. I, it's kind of in a confusing spot right here. Um, I still think there's really good long-term value, but you know the revenue trends aren't good. Not horrible. Again, I think it's you know. My my feeling is is if you bought Meta here, this is not a recommendation. My my belief is is that you know three to five years it's going to be higher. Um, and and I still think that we'll get a shot at that. Could be wishful thinking on my end. Um, and I guess the way that I'm approaching that guys is if if I'm going to add any tech in this environment, I just I got to get good prices for it. Meta is not expensive even after that run up. But that spend is going to weigh on it. And then decelerating of earnings. I mean, you saw Amazon and Google announced yesterday. Not awful, but not good. It's going in the wrong direction. Um, which really, and, and let's, let's, let's actually pull back and look at that a little bit. It really is contrary. Now, let, let, let's separate the economy from the market for a second, right? Um, now, it doesn't mean that we're going to be right on our outlook. You guys know my belief. I think that... Uh, you know, recession, not recession. I think it's semantics. Um, and I could be proven wrong. That's just my outlook on it. I just, I cannot, I cannot wrap my head around or believe that you can raise interest rates that fast, have the real estate market in the shape that it's in tech layoffs, automobile sales and demand falling off a cliff. Despite GM's earnings, people go, what about GM's earnings? Listen, guys, automobiles right now are a bit of a savior at least for the economic data, because a lot of their production, 
Remember, a lot of these cars that they're delivering now, and for the vast majority of these companies, remember, you don't recognize revenue until a good is delivered, right? So for all these people that made their orders, their car orders, you know, for $5,000 or $7,000 above MSRP during the last two years, they're taking delivery of those cars now. So, so what you're seeing right now in terms of the results of GM and other auto manufacturers really is not a byproduct of current demand. And I think Tesla kind of tells the story. They, they, they had a, they, they claim to have had a record amount of new purchases or new orders or deposits or whatever to start the year this year, but they had to announce drastic price cuts. Drastic. Like I'm talking cut their margins by almost 40%. Okay. So that tells us really all we need to know. You can move stuff in this environment. You just need to give big discounts. And, and this is why I just don't believe I'm, I just have a really hard time getting my head around or getting on the bullish side of this. At the same time, you guys know, I've been telling you, I don't think we're on the edge of some collapse. So if you're to ask me to handicap it, I kind of think the chop fest continues big upswings, big downswings, probably with a downward bias. That, that's my guess. Um, but that's just a guess, right? Um, but you know, again, you just add up interest rates, you just add up all the stuff. Again, I could be wrong. I will say this though, right? If we're looking at the economy right now, recession, not recession, we saw the job numbers come out today. Biden celebrating them. They all look good. You look under the surface, job numbers are really on the services side. There's still a lot of holes Again, doesn't really surprise me. I will still continue to tell you jobs are the last thing to roll over. The market looks really strong right now. I just think there's a lot of anomalies in the job market that make it really hard to decipher too much from there. The other side of it is uh, I don't really think it's going to matter, right? I, I, just, I just think cause, because when I look out at the next year, I think that you're looking at right the, the effects of stimulus wearing off and higher interest rates, and I just think things are going to be slower. Right. So when we say recession, it's taken on this draconian, dark a recession. Guys, consumer spending jumped 18% over the last two years. Let's pay it, say it, let's say it cuts that in half, right? It goes back to where it's only up 9%. Okay. Generally speaking, if you have a pullback of, you know, eight, 9% in consumer spending, uh, and then with what you see going on in the real estate market and automobiles, I, I, that is enough for, a re- I mean, that's a recession, All right? So recessions don't all mean 08, 09, right? It just means declining growth. And I, I just can't see through that. Furthermore, when I see stalwarts like Amazon and, and, uh, and Google, uh, and Microsoft, you know, slowing rapidly, right? The growth revenue rates have declined significantly. Now they're still high historically because, you know, they're coming off really t- tough comps. But I, I, I honestly believe that that thing that we were talking about, the automobiles, I think that that's really having a big impact. Meaning I think it's throwing a lot of people off. I, 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 a lot of what is seen as economic strength right now, even in the jobs, Right. Like you go look at the automobile manufacturers. They haven't really started laying anybody off. Why? Because they're still digging out of the covid hole. But that back that those that backlog is just about done. So I would expect over the next two quarters to see layoffs in the automobile sector. Um, and in that way, it's really laying out exactly like we thought. I, I thought you'd see a little more weakness in Q4. I thought earnings in Q4 would be worse than they are. Um and I actually think they are. What I wasn't paying attention to was the backlog, right? So I was thinking about consumer activity that was taking place in Q4 and not thinking about all the things that were backlogged that are getting delivered in Q4. Because again, when you actually deliver, I mean, there could be an exception to this, but virtually all accounting standards, you can't realize the revenue until the good is delivered, right? Because technically the deal's not done at that point. It's right. It's why we can't, it's why we can't categorize deposits on goods as revenue, right? It's not technically a deposit's a liability, right? So anyway, I, 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 you know, I, we still see economic weakness ahead. I still very much think we're heading to a recession and I don't think it's going to be horrible. Uh, but what I don't think is going to happen is that in this backdrop that stock prices are going to continue to go higher. But now here we've got to do that. I've been telling you guys for a long time, right? 
strong convictions loosely held. Well, here we are today. The indexes broke above the levels that we were watching. Okay, so that's one of the reasons that we're not short any longer, that we're not hedged. Okay, now we have levels pretty close below us where we will put the protection back on, but uh, it is what it is, right? And why am I not buying people like, Zach, you're too stubborn, you're missing out on the next bull run. First of all, I don't buy it. Okay, like I said, if and, and the way I think about it, guys, is kind of like this. If we get to the end of the year and we underperform, and the reason we underperform is because there's not a recession, which literally would be an economic uh, uh, miracle. And I'll talk about that in the next segment, like what we're up against in terms of previous comps and things like that to give you guys an understanding of where we're at. Um, if, if we underperform in a year like this year because I wasn't bullish enough, I don't want to. Right, I'm competitive as heck. I want to beat it every year. And I got two consecutive years of really good outperformance on the S&P, and I want to keep it rolling. Um, but having said that, my job is to is to be a fiduciary and protect other people's money. And um, what I can, and, and here's the other part of it: what I cannot live with is I'm not going to be sitting on 25 or 35 percent losses at the end of the year and tell people that I didn't understand that rising interest rates. And a slowing economy would hurt stock prices. That, that, that to me is the thing that I can't live with. Now, does that mean we've sold everything? No. It just means we're very cautiously and, 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 and very defensively positioned. And I continue to think that that's the place to be. So we'll see. Uh, I might be wrong. Um, the, the other reason why I think that that's the case and that this isn't the beginning of a new bull market, guys, is just looking at the actions, right? Look at Carvana up 500% on no news. Right, for all intents and purposes, they're bankrupt. Now, I, I don't know for sure that they're going to go bankrupt, but the market is trying to play the same games it was in 2021, and this is just not the backdrop. Right, you're gonna you keep seeing the AMC's and the Bed Bath and Beyonds going on runs. That tells me the bubble mentality hasn't left yet, which tells me there's probably again, if we look at compare it to periods of times in the past, th- those are kind of a tell. Tells you that there's not sobriety yet. Uh, usually indicates virtually every other time uh, that you still haven't found bottom. Again, I will also tell you these sharp rallies in individual stocks as well as the indexes, that's bear market action. It seems counterintuitive, but it just is, right? So um, anyway, a lot of different things going on. What do we do? I'll get to a couple other things I want to hit on that I didn't have time to get to in this segment of the market update. Um, But as always, guys, if you're looking for that sober approach, first of all, you know, where we're at right now, five weeks into the new year, four weeks in the year, really doesn't mean much, right? But we look at a year like last year, 60-40 portfolio down 25-26%, NASDAQ down 33 our average client was down 5 to 6 okay? And we're up this year, okay? That's the way a retirement portfolio should perform during crazy times like this, and it's just risk management, guys. We don't need to swing for the fences, right? We just got to make sure... The ball stays in the park, right? We, meaning we just got to make sure you don't get wrecked. The gains will come, right? We were up 20, shoot, 23 and 22 in 2021. I mean, you know, the, we can do it. We just don't have to take on all that risk. And if that sounds interesting to you with, in this backdrop, I think it should. Give us a ring, 866-779-RISK and 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com or capitalmanagement.com. You guys know the drill. Stick with us through the break. We'll be right back. Uh, and finish up the market update and then get into our next segment. Uh, You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach uncover the truth about the financial markets with simple and honest advice to help you plan for retirement. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to knowyourriskradio.com. We're talking with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. Zach, I know you and Bulwark are laser-focused on risk management. What is the biggest risk right now as you see it? Ironically, bonds. Really? Why? Due to all the money printing from central banks in the long period of zero interest rates, some serious inflation has hit. I'm sure you're aware. And inflation crushes bonds. We've been talking about it for seven years. If your portfolio has a significant portion of bonds, you may need a bond replacement strategy. You do need one. Get our free booklet, Common Sense Investing, to learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy. This shows you how to protect your retirement against loss, but still get market gains. Our goal is the highest returns with the least amount of risk and cost. Call now for your free copy of Zach's new version of Common Sense Investing. Learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy, 866-779-RISK 
or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client services agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. Thanks for sticking with us. All right, so let's tie things up here. Market update. Um, where are we at with energy across the board? Um, I don't really know. Lot of lot of contradictory. Look, here's the deal: the 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 inventory levels continue to be historically low on oil. Now, gas has gotten absolutely hammered. I don't know if you guys have watched that. Um, thank goodness we pulled back quite a bit ago. Uh, didn't top ticket, didn't get out at the highs, but close enough. Hey, I didn't think that you'd see it fall below 350. Um, and it just shows you what a wild beast snack gas is. So rather than sit here and pontificate about stuff that I really don't know, uh, we'll talk to Tracy about that on Monday about, you know, she's more following crude, but she's probably going to have a better lead into what's going on with Nat Gas. Um, I know part of the issue is, is that with the price increase, all these companies that were previously burning it off, right? You just see the, you see the old wellheads where they're just burning off. Uh, um, um, you see the flames coming out of the wellheads. That's just them burning off Nat Gas. And the reason they did it is because Nat Gas was so cheap that it didn't make sense for them to process it, 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 it was it was uneconomical, right, for them to process it and get it to the railhead. It cost more to do that than they could sell it for. So when Nagas moonshotted like that, all of that supply, they quit burning it off, obviously, and dumped it into the open market. Um, I don't really think you're going to see Gas find a normalized price until we really get, I, I think you're just going to see it continue to be this just wild animal until we get a normalized global marketplace, which means we got to build more LNG export facilities and it needs to become a global market. Um, you know, up until, until then, I think it's kind of a trading game, you know, uh, gets down to the, if you can get it down at the two level, I don't know if it'll get that low. I mean, it could peak into the ones. But you get it down, if we, you get down to the 225 to 2 level, we'll be buying pretty aggressively. Uh, doesn't mean that'll be bottom. But, uh, yeah, it's, 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 that, that thing is, is just been a crazy, crazy. In, in the space of six months, you go from nine and change down to 235. I mean, just un, and, and, and over the course of last year and a half, you went from 190, to nine, back to two and a half. I mean, it's just nuts. The volatility of that one is just wild. That's why Tony Tony Greer, our, our old buddy, uh, you know, that does the Morning Navigator and and uh, TG Macro. We've had him on. That's why he says, Zach, I just don't play with that gas. It's she's a beast. Uh, rates, obviously, Powell hiked rates again, twenty five basis points. Yesterday, the market loved it. Today, I haven't been paying too much attention because we've been recording the show. Uh, today, markets don't like it. <laughs> People are like, well, that's because the jobs number came out hot. Guys, I, I continue to just tell you, I just don't think we can glean a lot from this market because it's just acting like a manic teenager, right? Uh, yesterday, it loved it because inflation was easing. Today, the market's getting pounded because of a good jobs number. Um, it's really hard for us at this point because I read the jobs report and I wasn't impressed by the number because of the jobs and the reason they were being added, mostly low paying service type stuff, not really impressive. Uh, I kind of think it's a one month off anomaly with that strength of a number. Um, I also think that the unemployment number, I don't think the unemployment number is almost useless at this point. It's not useless. It just, the way it works it's not telling you the real story, right? Um, and I want to get into that. We do a whole hour show on the unemployed, the way unemployment is tabulated, but um, it's hard to know. Rates, look, here's what I will tell you. I don't know where the market's going. I don't know where it's going to end up. Nobody does. If they tell you they are, they're lying. What I do know is this. Higher interest rates do not equal higher stock prices. Okay, they just don't. So, 
I think this market is still in fantasy land. I still think you're seeing the vestiges of the last two years. And it's going to take time to burn off, in my opinion. If we're right. If we're wrong, we're going to underperform this year. Um, but that's all part of risk management, right? Underperformance isn't going to kill your retirement, right? Taking another year like you did last year is. right. So we got to prioritize these things. Here's the other part too, guys. Um, it's not just looking at the economy and us trying to guess where things are going. It's looking at the economy and contrasting that with the expense of the market. This is still a very, very expensive stock market on a historical basis. And when you consider what we're seeing on the economic side, not just here in the United States, but in the world, okay, and then you look at what's going on with interest rates, I'll continue to tell now the conditions. Remember, we we're talking about the five horsemen of the apocalypse, interest rates, uh, inflation numbers, uh, currency strength, uh, macroeconomic environment. And then what was the other one? In, uh, energy prices. Um, a lot of those things have eased, but not to a level where you'd say all is clear, where the market's saying all is clear. I kind of view this period of time. Now, again, one of the beautiful things about doing a radio show like this is we'll be doing it a year from now and we'll be able to look back on this and see if we were right. And if we weren't, we'll learn why. But um, it, it it's just not an environment that is hospitable to meaningfully higher stock prices. And when I look at what's pushing these stock prices higher, it's not fundamentals. It's not. So all this talk here about new bull market, maybe they're right. I don't know. Right? I just I just continue to sit there and look at it and go, look, I if there's music playing, I'll dance, right? I just don't hear any music. So that's that's kind of our position. I don't really see us switching off of it. Uh you know, Powell, Federal Reserve. Um I've given up trying to figure out what they're doing. Um uh, what they're doing doesn't make any sense to me. I think that they talk soothingly to the market still, even though the market is a big driver of inflation. I don't understand that. I still think they're living in the shadows of 08 or 09, and I think they're, I think they're scared to death of big market drops for whatever reason, um, which really isn't supposed to be what they're focused on. Um, I really don't understand it. It, I, I can't, and I don't understand it in terms I disagree. I can't understand what their angle is. One minute, they talk as if they're trying to suppress inflation. The next minute, it's all soothing tones, and I'm sitting there going, okay, what you just said is counter to what you're doing, right? You're, you're speaking in a way that's getting people fired up, and you're soothing them, saying, we're examining it, and we're looking at it, and then you're still raising rates. Do one or the other. Give the market a clear path. And I, I think that's really where it is. I think the Fed is not aware of how the market views them. Okay, I don't think the Fed is aware that the market thinks that they have them by the short hairs. I don't think that the Fed is fully aware that the market is gaming them and front running them. Um, and I just, I, these, yeah, these people are feckless. And, you know, what, what do I think they should have done? And not just because it fits my bearish narrative. What I think they should have done is slid in a surprise 25 bips rate hike in between meetings where you could have ended up with rates exactly at the same place that they are now, but the market would have taken you more seriously, right? Cause you're playing out. You've been doing this now for 15 years where you won't even move sideways without telling the market a week ahead of time that you're going to do it. Right? Well, why are you doing that? You're trying to break the back of inflation, which means you need to tamp down animal spirits. You keep giving them this forward guidance. All they're doing is front running it, meaning saying, okay, you're giving us that forward guidance. So as soon as the bad data comes out, you're going to pivot. We know that. So we're going to run stocks up. Now, I think that those people thinking like that are going to be caught unawares and are probably going to wake up to a, a rude awakening at some point because I, I, they're all still focused on the Fed and rates, but earnings and revenues and recessions matter too, right? So they 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 got to get that they got to get that figured out. I I've given up on the Fed. I, I like I said, I think they're feckless. Uh, I think they're a bunch of academics. Um, I don't think they're purposefully doing things to you know. I, I, I it's not one of those things where I'm beating them up on a personal basis. Um, 
you just need to get some practitioners on the FOMC that look at them and go, guys, there is a time for forward guidance. There is a time not. The reason you're one of the biggest reasons you're not seeing inflation ebb as much as you want it to is because of you. Because at the sign of even the littlest a bit of economic hardship for 15 years, you have cut and cut and cut and ran quantitative easing to a point where you eventually overdid it like we said you would and pressed us into 40-year high inflation rates. Okay, so you need to do the opposite of what put us here, right? And like I said, the frustrating thing for me is they could have done it and not even had to push rates higher than they have. I don't really think that they're messing up in terms of interest rates. Well, I mean, I think that they've, I think they've hiked too far, but that's the irony is they could have talked tougher and hiked a little less and probably gotten better results. But they're so academic that they don't. And if you guys haven't figured this out, right? A perfect example. Now, eventually, do markets make sense and get to where? Yeah, they do. But you, you're seeing right now how when interest rates go up, that's not bullish for stocks. Yet here we are. Right. Why? Because they're front running the Fed. Because the Fed's run to the rescue for the last 15 years. Now, I think that investors are misreading this. I think that investors are still investing under a a lens of 0% interest rates. I think that investors in the market are still behaving as if that's the environment we're in. And we're not, right? It couldn't be more different. But I, you know, I just look at the way the Fed has handled this and I just think it's insane. I don't think you needed to raise them this high. I think you needed to raise, but you needed to do it in surprise ways. So the market was convinced that you're not their nursemaid. Right. That they don't know exactly what to expect from you. And quite honestly, I think they probably could have raised 50, maybe even 75 basis points less. But if they did it in a more sporadic way and talk tougher, I think they probably could have gotten better results. So here we are. Anyway, so we got to take a quick break. But as always, guys, you know, if, if this is the and if you're paying a fee, it should be. Have you had that conversation called, what are we doing differently? We're down 20% last year, down 25%. What are we doing differently? Well, you got to write it out. Do you ever sit there and ask yourself, well, if that's always the answer, what am I paying you for? I mean, I know why our clients are paying us. They're paying us to be down five or 6% last year when everybody else is down 20 to 30, right? What I can't understand is why we're paying fees for somebody to tell us to write it out. Right. If you want more thinking than that, if you want more activity than that, if you want people actually earning, delivering you value for a fee, managing your risk, making sure that, hey, we got to make money. We got to hit your marks. Right. So you can successfully navigate your retirement. But a big part of that is making sure you don't get blown up. You want somebody managing the risk. Right. They're not doing that. They're just telling you to stick with it. You can do that for yourself. Right? If you want somebody where we've got traders watching this stuff 24 hours a day, managing risk, finding ways around getting killed by bonds, right? Give us a call, 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website. Follow me on Twitter, at KYR Radio. You guys know the drill. Stick with us through the break. We'll be right back. And I want to get into why this isn't 2021. Okay, so... You're listening to the no so stick with us through the break. Gonna be right back. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach discuss key investment strategies across several asset classes, not just stocks and bonds. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to knowyourriskradio.com. We're talking with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. Zach, what's the number one concern with people's investments right now? Without a doubt, it's inflation, and it's here. With all the money printing from the Fed and long period of zero interest rates, the bills come and due, and inflation's going up. And when inflation rises, bonds get smoked. We've been saying it for years. If you're using bonds in the old school 60-40 mix with stocks as the safe portion of your portfolio, you're taking a risk in today's inflationary environment. So what should our listeners do? 
If you're worried about inflation, we believe that you should consider getting out of bonds and get educated with Bulwark's bond replacement strategy. We teach you exactly how to do it in our free booklet, Common Sense Investing. Learn how to protect your portfolio against loss, but still seek to grow your assets. Call Zach now for your free copy of Common Sense Investing, 866-779-RISK, or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client services agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. Thank you for sticking with us. All right, so let's get into this uh, this next segment. It's not 2021. Now, what do I mean by that? I had a I had a uh, I work out three days a week with my guy Ben. See, now I'm going to know whether he's listening to the show or not. So I I I I, I, uh, I, I subscribe I prescribe him rather homework. And one of the things is you got to listen to know your risk radio, right? Actually, he gets it three days a week. He's my personal trainer, good buddy of mine. And uh, he's a few years younger than me. And um, one of the things we do in our, we, we train from seven to eight, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, or excuse me, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at his, at his gym. And one of the things we do in there is manage his portfolio. Um, and I was having a discussion with he and his brother. And his brother tends to be very aggressive, right? He goes in there. And what I was explaining to them is that one of the things I've learned, and I've said this on the show before, you you can really invest in anything, right? Even, you know, things that, you know, Tesla, Bitcoin, Bitcoin, you know, all these things people are like, oh, you got to stay away from them, right? Well, you can invest in anything. It's it's how much you invest, right? For instance, if you have a one and a half percent position in Bitcoin and it loses 40%, you know, it's not fun to lose, but it really hasn't had too big of an impact on the portfolio, right? So one of the things I was talking to them and trying to teach them is that the size of your bet, right? The amount of money you're putting online should reflect your certainty. And we, because especially the brother was making big bets one way or the other. And I just said, look, in a market like this, what do we know? Okay. What we know is that the economy is slowing, that earnings and revenue trends are going in the wrong direction, that interest rates are going up, and uh, there's just a lot of uncertainty, okay? And you can see that in the chop, right? Look at how well some of the tech names performed yesterday. Look at how so many of them are just getting pounded again today, right? It's just up and down. All are, Why is that? It's because there's tons of uncertainty, Okay, so when there's tons of uncertainty, and Buffett talks about this a lot, investing is like baseball, but you don't have a pitch count. You don't have, you can take as many strikes as you want to. You don't have to swing at everything. Okay, when you get into, inv- in, 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 in part of risk management, right? We get into environments like this that we think are very risky, and we need to accept one risk or the other, catastrophic loss or underperformance. You get me into an environment like this, and I have no bones about it, guys. I am going to embrace the risk of underperformance, okay? I'm going to carry cash. I'm going to carry 10-year treasuries because I think those are going to be a big bet, good bet. I'm not advising that you do it. I don't know what's appropriate for you. I'm going to carry short-term U.S. treasuries because I know that pile of money is going to make me somewhere in the neighborhood of, you know, four to four and a half percent. If rates go down, it could be a very nice trade. And, you know, you look at the 10-year yield, right? Three, five, you get that 10 year yield down to two, five, two and a quarter, which I think is really, really possible this year. You make your 4%, three and a half to 4% interest. We start, but we've got most of ours at around when it was paying about 4.1%. And if it goes down to where it's paying 2.5, you should be, I haven't done the math, but it should equal 12 to 15% profit on the underlying bond itself. So let's say it's 15%. Let's say that 10 year treasury it, today it's paying three, five goes down to two, five, two and a quarter. And that pushes the value of the bond up 12, 15% plus your 4% interest is close to a 20% return. I think anything that makes you 20% over the next 12 months is probably going to be pretty good. And if it's not, then so be it, right? Because we are going to embrace the risk of underperformance. I know, right? doesn't really sound like something a guy like me should say, you know, to bring in new investors, but I've got no qualms with it. Why? 
because if we get if we make five percent this year and the S and P makes thirteen, that doesn't blow blow up anybody's retirement. I mean, it's really that simple. And what happens when I listen to so many retail investors, and I, I can always tell because the sniping starts on Twitter. It's really funny. And this happens on a regular basis. I'll hear people be like, yeah, so you were down nine last year. I was up 40. And I go, oh, okay. Well, um, it, so you did really well on that $40,000 Roth account of yours that you're managing, right? So swinging a $350 million portfolio of other people's money is a little bit different. Uh, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to down talk, you know, smack talk anybody. And then I ask them, oh, how'd you do it well? And they're like, well, I went short tech, long energy. And I went, oh, and you listen to the show all the time. So you're playing my, you're playing my, my, my deal. You're playing. Uh, I actually had a client leave us recently and wrote me this long email explaining me how to construct a portfolio. And what he did was he picked out all of our best performers and took all the diversification out of the portfolio, went all into our best performers and then have a, had a heavy NASDAQ short position on and he put up better performance and was kind of sticking his chest out. Like, you know, I, I don't need you anymore, Zach. I did this. Well, he's getting wrecked so far this year. Um, but guys, that overconfidence is another sign. Okay. When you got every, when you got a bunch of re and, I, and I'm not down talking you guys that are retail investors, because it's actually true on the professional side. When you're watching a bunch of people walk around like they've got this game licked, get away from them. Also, it should worry about the market because nobody's got this game licked, right? Guys have one good year. What you're seeing is a classic example. Now, we had a bear market deal last year, but what you're watching is this classic example of confusing brains with a bull market, okay? And 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 you just look at it, right? You think you're a better investor than I am because you loaded up on all of my picks. And rather than staying diversified, right, you can do that when you're managing your own Roth account with 50 grand in it. Hey, you can do it when you're managing your own account with a million dollars in it, right? Because here's the thing. And I love how investors do that. They, they look at things in snapshots. Okay, if you run your portfolio in a concentrated manner like that for long enough, it's not if, it's when. You'll get smashed. You're going to have years where it's really good. Then you're going to have years that are an absolute, you know, widow maker, right? That overconfidence shows me that we don't yet have some sobriety. And like I was saying, coming into this segment, this ain't 2021 guys. Okay. Interest rates are not at zero. The dollar index is not sub hundred, right? The conditions are, you see it all over the place, right? It's not, it's not just here in the United States. It's global. Economies are slowing. Right. Inflation still stays is historically elevated. This isn't 2021. And one of the things I've learned in my career is one of the most important things for you to know at any given time is what environment you're in, because the environment will end up winning out. It always does. Okay, stocks and momentum of stocks, they can buck it for a while. But eventually that gravity will pull it down. And gravity, I think, is a very apt term. Remember, for all these years, we've been telling you zero interest rate environments are like zero financial gravity. Well, gravity's back. And it's having an impact. And if you don't think it is, go talk to a real estate agent. If you don't think it is, go talk to a car dealership. If you don't think it is, go talk to a mortgage broker. Now, they've seen mortgage brokers, real estate agents, seen a little surge here in the last couple of weeks. But that doesn't surprise me either. One of the things that we thought would happen in real estate is I don't think it's on the edge of some big bubble. But what I do think is it's going to head lower, kind of in a grind. And when mortgage rates come down a little bit, you should probably see some buyers come in, activity pick up for a few weeks, and then kind of die off. And then maybe rates will go down a little bit more and that'll pull in some more buyers. But I think this is a process and I don't see any part of the process that is very favorable to higher prices. And I will continue to tell you that if you're got FOMO, you're worried about missing out. I don't think that this is going to happen, but I think you need to be far more concerned about a really negative outcome. Okay. Cause like I said, I'm not expecting a big forest fire, but I do know that the forest is abnormally dry and it's been a very long, hot summer. There is an, in an inordinate, an abnormal amount of dry tinder laying around. And if a fire gets rolling, it could be nasty. Again, I will just continue to, this isn't 2021. You need to be managing risk. 
Do not get sucked into this whole new bull market happening. Guys, I, look, if I'm wrong, I'll take it. I'm just warning you, especially you home gamers at home that are doing this, don't buy into this. Stay disciplined, right? Have some treasuries. Collect your 4.5%. It's not the worst thing in the world, right? Stay diversified. Don't think that you can do... The, 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 I'm just telling you, as a guy that's done this for his entire career, I've never done anything else. This is a nasty environment. Okay, things are detached from fundamentals still. Things going all over the place. All, Kathy Woods back out there crowing about how she's the new NASDAQ. I'm just telling you guys, this is still an environment where the danger is to the downside. I don't care what Kramer says. I don't care what you're hearing on CNBC. It is all about risk management. And if that's not the conversation you're having to the guy that's managing your money or your advisor, guys, for your own bloody good, give us or somebody else a call that knows what they're doing. Okay, because if you're closer into retirement, you don't have time for this. You need to know you're good no matter what. You can't run your retirement on somebody's hunch. Right? Be sure. Be anti-fragile. Have a plan. Know that you're good no matter what happens. Right? And run the risk of underperformance. Of missing out on a few percentage points isn't going to kill you. Right? Defense wins championships. Call us, 866-779-RISK and 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com, bulwarkcapitalmanagement.com. You guys know the drill. And after this show, hop on the podcast, listen to the interview this week. I'm going to be interviewed by my employee, Trevor, and I'm going to attempt to break down where we're at in the energy cycle. And this is actually going to be perfect because we got Tracy coming on Monday so she can give us the more high-level approach. I'll approach it from a more low-level approach. And if you listen to this interview, you will have an answer when you hear people at a cocktail party or dinner tell you it's been price gouging that's driven oil up. It's nonsense, and we're going to lay it out in simple terms to arm you guys with the facts. Anyway, thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next week. Again, don't miss the interview. Have a great weekend. Super Bowl next weekend. Anyway, we'll see you next week. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. Thanks for listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Schedule your free risk review with Zach Abraham now at knowyourriskradio.com. Zach will be back with more Know Your Risk Radio next Saturday at noon on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.